you have to stay aggressive uh, or it starts to fall. And I never like to let it fall all the way down because we're not, we're getting too tired or we don't know what we're doing. So when the Lord prophesied through song, let, let the sons prophesy, I was doing a lot of prophecy. Norm came up and he prophesied. See, it doesn't take a, a whole long prophesy. It was a few words. And that opened because faith is activated when the portal is open to heaven. And we're going between back and forth with the sound of heaven. So he heard this. He heard this. He heard that sound from heaven, and he and he spoke it. And did you feel the surge? You felt the surge. So I just want to take this moment to teach you how to respond to God when we get into something like that. Um, it demands a, a, it demands a response. So it doesn't even have to be anything. Uh, it, it could be whatever you hear. Uh, you know, just simple. But I had pretty much given my download, and if somebody, if the Lord prophesied, so it was a call, sons prophesy. He wanted you to prophesy. So we waited a few minutes, and anybody can grab a microphone or just start prophesying. We can hear it. You can prophesy loud enough, whatever. Just come get one of these microphones. You come get mine. It doesn't matter to me. Speak the word of the Lord. If that continues, we would have been in a, we would have been in like a throne room situation with God. There would have been fireworks going on. I call it popcorn. It starts to heat up in the spirit. Okay, it's like popcorn. You put it in the microwave or you put it in your pan and it sits there and it starts heating up and all of a sudden, pop, something happens. There's a transformation that takes place, right? It's my easiest way to describe it to you. And see, if something starts to pop in you, then speak it. Faith. Right, and the seed. Let's just use the corn analogy. So there's a seed that God's sown in your heart. And when we get into the spirit, it's not just for you to bask in and lay on the beach and, you know, drink a little communion wine. No, it is... It's not, that is, we weren't in a soaking moment. You've heard, some of you have heard soaking in the presence. We were in a prophetic, heaven, open touch, a ladder, like Jacob's ladder, going up and down the ladder. We were in that moment. So if we get into other moments like this in the future, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If the popcorn starts to pop in you, say the word. It might just be faith, faith in Jesus. Uh, you know, God's coming again. I don't know what it will be coming out of your mouth. I don't know what it will be. Only God knows what's going to pop in your, in this womb of God that's <laughs> inside of you that's being birthed. So, uh, that's why it seemed like we were really getting in there, and then we we stopped because I just we've done it. I've done it too many times. I don't like that feeling. Oh, because it'll leave you with the feeling that you missed it if you let it just wane on and wane on, and nobody is coming forth. Ended on a high note. God wants it that way, 
And so with this little instruction, we know we'll know more what to do. But you saw it in action today. Uh, and, and thank you, Father. Thank you. I, I mean, we have so much to be thankful for, I'm telling you. We have no idea. No idea. So praise you, Father. We love you, Abba. We lay hold of you. And as you are preparing us for Passover, that we're ready. That we're ready for that appointment with you. Prepare our hearts, search our hearts, O God, and lead us into the blessed time. In your name. Bless your word, Father. So we are in the Passover season as we march forward, the days that will be here before we know it. Uh, Resurrection Sunday will be here before we know it. Uh, Palm Sunday as we know it. All the things that are going on. Um, We're going to be studying from the text of Luke chapter 15 today primarily. So if you do want to turn to that in your Bibles. But I want to talk to you about the word. I thought... (laughs) I don't know if any of you, when you heard the exhortation, so we're totally off time schedule, just saying. So I really, uh, it saddens my heart that some of the, so please, those of you who are working in the food outreach, stay to the last minute that you can, and then be sure and watch the live feed so you don't miss the last part of the word, so you get the whole word, so you know what God's speaking to us right now in this search my heart, oh God, okay? Thank you. Um, so years ago, I was going to speak a word on stubbornness, and I had kind of said, uh, I think the Lord's given me a word on stubbornness. And so people came up after the service and said, hey, I'm really glad because there's some people in here that really need to hear that word. (laughs) You know, and then uh, one woman said, well, you can use, you're welcome to use my husband as an example because... He is the example of stubbornness in every way. Um, I know none of you are like that, but actually the word today um, is about that. And uh, I want to read to you uh, just quickly from Hosea 4.16. I'm reading from the NIV, and it says, The Israelites are stubborn like a stubborn heifer. Uh, for you, those of you who don't know who, what a heifer is, that's a female cow, and she's full grown, and they are stubborn. As I was a child living on the farm, you know, when you want them to come in, they don't move. They just stand around. If there's lightning striking and you're trying to get them in the barn or for some cover, they would rather stand there and get soaking wet, and they won't move. I'm talking about the heifer. She's been around, and nobody's going to tell her what to do. But I want you to get a picture of this. Being stubborn, uh, my definition of stubbornness today is that effect when you plant both feet on the ground, you clench your fists, and you say, I'm right, I don't care what anybody else says, That's the way it's going to be for me, okay? Now, there might be a place and time for that as far as uh, uh, there is a place for stubbornness when it comes to somebody saying, uh, deny Jesus. Uh, 
I'm going to plant my feet in. I'm going to do whatever, and I'm not going to deny Jesus. But, I, but you know what I'm talking about, like the heifer that won't come in out of the rain. Um, the first example when I was thinking about this, when the Lord was talking to me about this the, the past week, uh, not necessarily motivated by my husband, but uh, that was a joke. Okay, so <laughs> we're talking about Passover season. We're talking about Passover, and all, most of you have seen the Ten Commandments, and I'm thinking about that movie, and I think Pharaoh is a prime example. Is there anybody in here that has never seen the Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston? Okay, well, you've got to watch it, you two. Okay, you're on for a movie night. Get the popcorn out and watch a classic. It's amazing. About the first Passover. Well, you surely could. Yeah, we've got it. We've done it. We've seen it right here in the church before. You guys are welcome to have a movie night here. But in the movie, and we've done a play here even. We did a play here. Some of you were in it on Moses. Um, one of the most famous examples of stubbornness is Pharaoh. Pharaoh uh, was pretty stubborn. And, you know, Moses came and said, let my people go, and he wouldn't let them go. In fact, God sent plagues, plague after plague. And Moses would say, now, let my people go. And he, he might think about it, but he'd change his mind. No. I mean, even as people were saying, let these people go. Look at the plagues. There's boils. There's blood. It's gross. Frogs jumping all around. Read about the ten plagues. You'll see it in the Ten Commandments. And he's so stubborn his heart is so hard that the end result is the last plague was the death of all the firstborn children in Egypt, adults and children. Um, that was when he finally said, get out of here. But it had to go to that. And that's pretty stubborn. That's that hard as a rock heart. Um, I think that most of us, you know, we joke about it. So-and-so stubborn. Yeah, they're stubborn. Yeah, we kind of laugh about it. It's really no laughing matter. It really isn't, as we will look today and uh, examine our own hearts as we, as we hear the word of God today so that we can see if there's any stubbornness in these little hearts of ours. Um. Most of us don't realize um, the, how devastating it is, too. Um, it builds walls around us. And those walls are our opinions. And it separates us. It builds walls instead of bridges. I want you to think about that. Stubbornness builds walls instead of bridges. I thought that was cool when the Lord said that to me. And we end up in our own little stubborn, opinionated world. People, if you're really stubborn about everything, people really just don't even like to hang out. They don't even take you seriously anymore. Because they just, you know, you know how, how we do when we come across that. It, it definitely doesn't soften our hearts towards that kind of a person. So today's title is The Painfulness of Stubbornness. 
Stubbornness causes pain, not only for the person that is being stubborn, but Pharaoh's stubbornness caused great painfulness in that country to the death of their firstborn children. That's your stubbornness or my stubbornness affects others. And it's important, not only just ourselves, but that's important for us. So the title today is The Painfulness of Stubbornness. So in Luke chapter 15, there is the story of the prodigal son. And within that text of chapter 15, uh, this is the son that ran away, got his inheritance early, went and spent it on prostitutes, and he ran away and left his dad. Uh, we're familiar with that part of the story. That's one part of the, there's three stories in that text. That one is about him. And then he finally came back home. The second story in that, in that story is the father. The story of the father that waited faithfully you know, waiting for his son. He was watching for him the day he saw him, just believing that he would come home with, with love and care and concern. And you know that man was praying for his, that boy. And we know that when his son came home, he threw a party for him. He was so happy and relieved to see him. And he was rejoicing with God that God had answered his prayer. It doesn't tell us that he prayed, but we all know what a parent does when your kid is running in the wrong direction. We're praying for those children to bring them home, God, intervene. And the third story is the one that we're going to ponder today that is rarely spoken about. Um, The third story is about the older brother. And... um, who almost goes unnoticed in the story. Uh, When we read this parable, he's a perfect example of stubbornness and its results and what has happened to him because of that kind of attitude. So I want to read from Luke 15, uh, 25 through 27. Meanwhile, I'm reading from the NIV. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he, so the prodigal son had come home. This is where we're taking up in the story. Meanwhile, the son had come home. The father had said, you know, we're going to have the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. And this is where we take up in the story. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come back home safe and sound. So how does his brother respond to that? Um, He just heard some really good news. His brother, they didn't know if he was alive or dead. They didn't have cell phones. They hadn't heard anything about him. Nobody knew what was going on with the brother. Um, but we would expect he would be glad just that he hasn't seen his brother, his younger brother, in so long. But in verse 28 we read, 
the older brother became angry and refused to go in. In other words, he planted his feet on the ground, clenched his fists, and he stubbornly said, I'm not going there. Why? Why would he do that? Um, So verses 29 through 32 say, So his father went out to the older son and pleaded with him. Some translations say begged him to come in. That's how much it was that the father wanted his family reunited and to rejoice over the older son still being alive and coming home. But the son said, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property and pro- with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. The father says, my son, the father said, you are, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we need to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now we see in that text that the older son, he wasn't even acknowledging he's my brother. This son of yours, he's like Raka. I have nothing to do with this guy. I've been slaving around here all these years. He wasn't here to help me. He took his inheritance. He didn't even have to work with me, work for it. He left. What had happened to this young man? And now the stubbornness of bitterness is showing up and he's refusing to go in. Everybody else has gone in. Everybody is there. There's music. There's laughter. There's celebration. Everybody's having a good time. The father put on a new robe, gave him a new ring, the older brother. I mean the younger brother. But the older brother is still refusing to go because of his stubbornness. I want you to look at this. Our stubbornness can do the same thing that happened to this brother. He imprisons himself behind a wall of bitterness. He's not going in. So we can summarize through this. If it hadn't been for his stubbornness, we might never have known what was really going on and who this older brother was in this story. So again, let's pull the curtain and let God, and let's ask God, what kind of a person am I? How did the stubbornness manifest?
The first thing his stubbornness reveals is that the older brother was a selfish, ungrateful son. He looked at his father, and instead of being grateful for all the things he had received, he complained about what he didn't receive. He had a terrible attitude. He was the older brother in the Jewish culture. That meant he would receive a double inheritance. He would receive all the land of his father. All the family lands were his. They were, they were his already. It was a done deal. He had the father, he had the birthright of the older son, and he had the father's blessings, the amen. His father even reminded him of that when he went to plead with him to come in. Everything I have is yours, is what the father was saying, reminding him, you own everything here. But that wasn't enough for him. His eye was on the fact that his father had never celebrated with the fatted calf. Now, I want to tell you about a fatted calf. This was a calf that they kept from the rest of the livestock, and they fed it. It was, it was you know, they, ha they usually hand-fed it. They gave it corn. They brought it. It was corn-fed beef. It was prime beef. It wasn't just, you know, substandard beef. It's the kind that's well-marbled. There was fat. It was tender. This is what he was upset about. It wasn't grass-fed. This thing hadn't just been out in the pasture. This fatted calf was saved for special occasions. And that was what his father had deemed. But the older brother is not thinking about all the good things that he has received in life. He's not counting the blessings. Instead, he's angry. Remember, he thinks he's a slave. I've been slaving here all these years for you. He was ungrateful because of what he hadn't received. I want to give you an illustration. I used it uh, in the last time I preached a word on stubbornness. It's a story about fourth graders. And the teacher asked the fourth graders to write down the seven wonders of the world. And then they were going to read what each child read. So she gave them some time, and everybody was done, but there was this one little girl who kept writing and writing, and everybody's looking at her. And the teacher's like, um, like, aren't you through yet? Um, and what are you writing? And she says, well, um, I don't know if these are the right answers or not um, as wonders, but, but I have a whole lot more than seven. So the teacher said, well, let me see what you've been, what you've been writing. And um, so she started speaking what the wonders were to her. She said, well, to be able to see, to be able to hear, to be able to think, to breathe, to touch, to run, to love, 
and to laugh. And the list went on and on. You see, our problem is that we think the great things (laughs) are material things. It's just our culture is constantly telling us that. Every ad you see on TV or anywhere is saying, this is what you need, this is what you want. And you know, and you tend to go, well, how come those people can go do those things? Big vacation? I haven't had a vacation in 10 years, you say. Yet they go on vacation all the time. Hmm. Things like the fatted calf. We overlook the blessings that God, our Father, is giving to us every single day. What a list the older brother could have written, right? He could have written quite a list. But no, instead he was selfish and grateful and miserable and being stubborn and clenching his fists and refusing to go in. And he was refusing refusing his father. Do you know how disgraceful that was? Everybody knew at the party that the father left the party and he went out to the son because everybody knew the older brother wasn't there. Where's Harry, the older brother? Where is he? And the father's like, he'll be here soon. I'm sure he'll be here soon. You know, he was out in the field and, you know, it's been a long day for him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and see. I'm going to go and see. Uh, where he's at in his preparation, just like you would. And they all knew he went out there, and still the brother is going to humiliate his father and refuse to come in. He was unhappy, and he was unfeeling. He didn't care about shaming his father in front of the guests and the people. He was just very unhappy and unfeeling. In verse 29, He says to his father, I'm repeating this, look. He doesn't even address his father with respect. He's like, look, this is what I've been doing. All these years I've been slaving for you. A slave? Now that is a deliberate slap in his father's face. When everything that that man worked from the time he was a kid, and probably inherited it from his father. That was a slap in the face. He could have had anything that he wanted. For years they worked side by side. They worked together. He taught his son everything there was to know about that land. He poured his life and soul into that son. He was proud of him. He was proud of everything he accomplished. It was the last child he had in his household. He didn't know what was left or what had become of his younger son. And, you know, you know he was bragging about him to, to the people in town. That's, that's my son. But it only took a few bitter words to possibly destroy that man's heart and shred it. We don't know. Maybe forever. I don't think so because the man was very forgiving with his younger son. But he thinks I'm a slave driver? He thinks I'm a slave driver? And he sees the son 
sees himself as a slave. What went wrong? When our relationship with God isn't at its best, and there are times when we are very weak and we come up wanting, (laughs) we soon face problems in areas too, like work, school, home, uh, especially if our relationship is really shaky with the Lord. It affects all the other areas of our life too. As we see here, it was affecting his sight. He could not see the blessings. He was becoming blind. So stubbornness is, can lead us to blindness. We can't even see that we're not responding. Um, instead of considering how good God is, how much God has given, instead of rejoicing in his mercy and his grace and his salvation, instead of rejoicing in everything that he has done for us, um, we complain about having too little, not enough, wish I had a new car. I do wish that, Father. (laughs) Mine's getting old, but I'm trusting you. But you know what I mean? I'm not mad if you get a new car. I'm excited for you. I'm rejoicing that you have that. The attitude that the older brother had leads to all kinds of unhappiness in life. He was unloving. He was unforgiving. This son of yours, we talked about that earlier. I want to look back at verse Uh, 17 as we're getting ready to close here is the prodigal son sitting in the midst of the hog lot this is the one that ran away with his inheritance early and he says how many of my father's hired servants have food to eat and I'm here starving my, my father was always a generous man. He, he, didn't ha- he, he gave me my inheritance when I threw that fit and said I was leaving. They're eating, and I'm here starving to death. It's interesting how circumstances can affect our attitudes. Right? Hmm. I'm sure that God has something to do with the younger son's circumstances to affect his attitude and answer the prayer of his dad. God intervened, and this boy, that younger one, began to see the light. But the prodigal, far away, he begins to remember how generous his father has always been. Even my father's servants have more than enough food to eat, he says. And so he goes home. The older brother who thinks his father is stingy. That's what he thought. I've been around here. You have not even given me such as a goat to share with my friends. You haven't even roasted a goat, let alone the fatted calf. And that's all he can think about. His father is stingy. His father is unloving. His father doesn't care about him. He's a slave driver. Some uh, say 
I, I've read commentaries about this. Some have said if Jesus had been the older brother, think how different the story would have been. Instead of the older brother staying home while the prodigal was away in a far country, Jesus, as the elder brother, would have gone into the far country to search for him. He would have gone into the bars. He would have gone into the brothels. He would have gone to the hog lots. He would have gone everywhere until he finally found his brother and brought him home because his love would not leave his brother in a country far away. His love would go and search for him so that he could somehow, no matter what he found, he could bring a report to his father who was suffering and grieving the loss of a son. But that's not what this older brother did. Let's get back to stubbornness. Isn't it amazing what stubbornness can lead? We can see, as amazing as that, how is it that we can identify stubbornness in other people and never see it in ourselves? I want to make sure. I've been looking a lot over here. I need to look over here now, too. Um, How is it that we can't see it in ourselves? This is why God wants us to pull back the curtain today. We are preparing ourselves to be a living sanctuary, a living temple that God will completely fill with himself. There's no room for stubbornness. There's no room for bitterness. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit's asking me to ask this question. I'd rather not, but I will. I will, for I've said I will, I will speak what you're speaking, what I'm hearing. God wants us to look. Is there something that he's told you to do? Is there something that you know you should have done or should have been doing and you're stubbornly not doing it? You can have every excuse in the world. You don't have enough time. You're working too much. Whatever. I'm just, you can just be saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not. I'm not going to do that. I just don't feel like it. I don't want to, and I'm not going to do it. Don't ask me again. I won't ask the wives. I'll start over here and sweep. (laughs) I won't ask the wives, is there something you've asked your husband to do that he just stubbornly will not do? And what is it costing? Remember, we heard at the story that our stubbornness is painful, and it affects others. I see some of you smiling. It's amazing that you're not crying out there because the Holy Spirit is meddling this morning with our hearts, isn't he? But uh, Apostle Royal, I used to love it when he would chuckle, and he had the most bright blue eyes. I, I swear they were like the eyes of, I don't know what color, but the eyes of God, they just twinkled. If you looked at him for long, you just felt you were falling into pools of the Holy Spirit. And he would say, when he was bringing a sermon, perhaps that might be 
cutting us or opening up these weak places in our lives, he would say, oh, it hurts so good. It hurts so good. Because it's giving us an opportunity to go before God and become changed. I want to read you a scripture from Romans 2.5. Paul is saying here, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Did we hear that? Because you are stubborn, you don't repent, and because you don't repent, you are storing up the wrath of God against yourself. We all will be judged. We are saved. But God will judge us righteously. This scripture says that because of stubbornness, something that we we don't think too much of it, right? Unless it's happening with us. You know, somebody's being stubborn towards us. We don't think too much about it. But stubbornness in itself, Paul tells us, will be judged that we're storing up wrath. It's something that God doesn't like. God's wrath is about something he doesn't like and he doesn't want. This is a New Testament scripture. We've been studying the Old Testament scriptures today. But this is important. It's important to God. If it's important to him, it's important to us. Amen? Amen. So he spoke another time. uh, I was reminded, uh, because I'm thinking a lot of Israel, since we've had the very blessed, humbling opportunity to go to the land of Israel. And I pictured in my mind as we're pondering these stories and, you know, the Red Sea when Moses crossed it and just I have that picture of what the land looks like. And we went to a place uh, when the group went from church here, we went to this very place where Paul stood before um, the king. He'd been imprisoned, and he'd been sent there to speak to the King Agrippa. And this is what he said in Acts 26, 28. Then, King, then Agrippa said to Paul, "You almost per- he, had been, he had been telling him why he had become a Christian, that he was no longer Pharisee of Pharisees. He was telling the king, witnessing to him. The king was up here on a throne. There was a big assembly when this was all going on. And up here on these stone places. And they had in the center was where the king would be brought in separately. And his throne would be there. And he's looking down at Paul. And Paul is telling him for everything he's worth. He knows his days are numbered and the days are short. And that Jesus is coming soon for him. That he doesn't have much more time on this earth. And it wasn't necessarily about 
would ki the king give him space and not he's not going to be sentenced to die? It was his one of his last opportunities to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell him everything about Jesus, to tell him about how he how he healed, how he did this, how he did that. He told him everything about that. Then they crucified him. He told him everything, and then the earth shake. He's telling the whole story, the the earthquakes, and then people came out of the graves, and then the centurion that was even there at the cross believed, and this is what happened to me, and I fell, and I met God on the road, and I was blind, and then I went over to this man's house, and I was healed of my blindness, and now I'm here, and I'm convinced, I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Lord. And after he's gone on for a long time, this is what Agrippa says to Paul. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. But no, he was king. And he turned his back. And he walked away. Stubbornness. Stubbornness. That's the last we hear of that story. We don't know what King Agrippa did and how that all ended for him. God is the judge. But we don't want that. We don't want stubbornness to bring wrath on us at the end. Let's deal with it. What do you say? Let's humble ourselves. Let's just close our mind, our eyes and reflect for a moment. Let's humble ourselves. Let's repent. Let's repent for our own stubbornness. Let's ask God over the next few days as we're in preparation for Passover. Lord, reveal to us stubbornness. And if, we've, if he identifies a time that we just repent for that stubbornness. And then we let it go. And we start anew. Let us avoid God's wrath, and let's avoid his judgment. Let's rehearse the goodness of God and all the wonders we have in this world and the next. Let us not become bitter and stubborn. We invite you, Holy Spirit, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to correct our paths we ask you to convict our hearts in this area. Purify our hearts, Abba. Purify our hearts. Purify our minds. Purify. Correct our attitudes concerning our life and that of others. As we came in here covered by the blood of Jesus, Father, let it have its perfect work in every heart, in every life, in every area. We will overcome. Our hearts are to overcome stubbornness. Lord, you hardened Pharaoh's heart, and God, we ask you to soften ours. Father, where stubbornness has caused us not to see and caused blindness, blindness, 
Father, heal our blindness and give us eyes to see. And heal our hearing and give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour. We pray this in your name, Jesus, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. In your name we pray. Amen. It's quiet in here. I should have had I should have had you play a few chords of music, but I we can't just hear God's word to us this morning and walk away. It would not be good for us. Amen? That we hear this. Stumber painfulness. In stubbornness. I love you all dearly. Um, I do want to say before we close, um, with everyone that's watching, um, we're going to be over oh, here. Do you want to speak? Um, we're bringing our offering before the Lord. Some of you. Um, Maybe sowing your tithes and offerings in other churches, and that's fine. But if you would like to sow into this ministry and sow seed into the kingdom of God, you know, there's a lot of places that we can sow our funds. We can give to a lot of things. But I tell you, and I stand before God, as you sow into this ministry, it is releasing and building the kingdom of God. And you can sow into that. I, I'm not a preacher who preaches, if you sow here next week, you're going to have you know, an abundance come. I just know what the word says. Sow because you've been fed. If this ministry has fed you, if this ministry of the word of God has touched your heart, then so, if you've been blessed. And now I want to pray over the offering as part of our worship. I just still feel the anointing of God here today. There's a holiness here. There's something, a deep work that God is doing in our hearts. He's doing a deep work. Would you come and play while we take our offering? Uh, Kyle. Offerings are serious business of the king. The first and foremost thing that we bring today, the first and foremost thing that we bring today is ourselves as a living sacrifice. And we bring ourselves, Lord. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that can allow us to come boldly before your throne. And as an act of worship, we bring our tithes, we bring our offerings. For you've said they are yours and they are holy and set apart for you.
Father, we know as leaders the great responsibility we have that these tithes and offerings would go forth to bring things to the kingdom of God. Even this entire center, this place on the on the face of earth that is to become a place for a, a, a refuge, even a city of refuge in the days ahead. It will be a learning center where the foundations of the kingdom of God are laid. The people will want to know about Jesus. And Father, that's our heart, is that your word, your eternal word, will go far and wide, far and wide, and transform the hearts of men and women and children by your spirit. So Father, we do lift this we lift this as you are doing this work, this work right now. As we come up here, we not only bring our tithes and offerings, our act of coming up here is we're bringing ourselves to you in this hour. We long to be those virgins that have our lamps full of oil. That's our heart. And we come to bless you today as we worship you while we do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Hang on. Hey, Tom, just hang on just for a second. We're just going to.